lot of conversation out there going rounds about school meals. So we're here to set the record straight. This season is all about fact or fiction. And we'll be addressing some of the bigger myths about school nutrition, including questions from listeners like you. It's now time for FuelCast Georgia. So welcome to another exciting episode of FuelCast Fact or Fiction. I am Rolandria Boyce, but you can call me Ro. And I'm Ellen Bennett, sitting in for Anna Coleman. So correct me if I'm wrong, Ro, but this is not a normal FuelCast, is it? No, Ellen, it's not. Today, we are absolutely thrilled to be recording live at the 2023 Godot School Nutrition Division Directors Conference. We are joined by an audience of some of Georgia's best and brightest and our local school nutrition directors. As always, we know our listeners will have more questions, and the best way to get answers is to reach out to your local school nutrition director for more information on what's going on in your school district. Ro, let's get this conversation started. All right, Ellen. So this year's Director's Conference has centered around building a culinary culture in local school nutrition programs, and we have a very exciting panel of guests with us today, ready to discuss what that means for Georgia schools and students. I want to give each of you an opportunity to introduce yourselves to our audience. So go ahead and say your name and your role, and Holly, we'll start with you. Thank you, Ro. I'm Holly Thal, and I am the Procurement and Food Distribution Manager for the Georgia Department of Education School Nutrition Division. And I'm Michael DeBose. I am one of the culinary specialists for Georgia Department of Education. I'm Chef Rachel Petralia, and I'm one of the culinary specialists for the Georgia Department of Education. And I'm John Huff, and I'm also a culinary specialist for the Georgia Department of Education. So we heard three of you say that you're a culinary specialist. So I want to ask Chef John, because you're closest to me, what does a culinary specialist do? How do you support 180 plus school districts and what does it mean to the students and their families? A lot of what we do day to day is recipe development, um, trying to fit in trending recipes um, with cool ingredients that get fit them into a K-12 standardized recipes. My favorite thing that we do is professional development with school nutrition staff. So we get out into schools as much as we can. Obviously, you mentioned we have 181 districts, so we cannot get to all of them. But we do get out and we are able to do some hands-on training with staff to show them more efficient ways to get some of these recipes that we are creating done, um, make sure that they are prepared in the correct way, served in the correct way. And by doing that, that gives us an opportunity to see in the, in the real world what we can then take back and create more content to be able to spread to the entire state through webinars and some online resources and that sort of thing as well. So how does a professionally trained chef end up working in school nutrition? Can you guys each give us a brief synopsis of your culinary background and how you ended up? in school nutrition. Mike, we'll start with you. So I've been an executive chef for 25 years, working in hotels, country clubs, have owned my own restaurant. Most recently, my main job was a campus executive chef for University of Tampa. And I was kind of got to the point where I don't feel like I'm making a difference. Decided it was time for me to follow my wife for a job opportunity instead of her always following me. I got lucky enough and I Got my feet wet with school nutrition with Fayette County Schools. Built that love of what it was and the opportunity for the state came up and haven't looked back since. Rachel? I got a bachelor's in food science at Johnson & Wales in Miami, Florida and really worked in fine dining. The quality of life 
is a bit difficult when you're working in restaurants and nights and weekends. And when the largest school system in the state of Georgia that I also grew up in was hiring a chef, I loved the idea of having that kind of influence on our future and knew the importance of being well-nourished and fed and to create those really good habits around seasons and flavor and wanted to be a part of school nutrition and the important work that we're doing. And that started in 2009. Yeah, and my background's similar to the other two and I have a restaurant background, also attended Johnson & Wales University. The way I got into school nutrition was before I started with Georgia Department of Education, I, I founded a nonprofit called Wimberley's Roots in my hometown. And the mission behind that nonprofit was to fight food insecurity. Through that collaborations with my nonprofit and our local school district, I kind of realized that the biggest way to fight food insecurity is through school nutrition. So through that collaboration, this position opened up and I couldn't help but jump on it. Awesome, so we're happy to have you all. We're hearing a lot about culinary culture. So we have over 250 plus attendees joining us here in Athens, Georgia, who spent all day yesterday learning about the value of a culinary excellence. So what is K-12? What is a K-12 culinary culture? Chef, Rachel, we'll start with you. A K-12 culinary culture is us all working with a common goal. We're a unified team where everything is food first and food focused. It's safe, it's nutritious, it's meeting any regulation. It is also delicious, it's high quality. It's where we equip our teams with the knowledge of how to elevate flavors, cooking techniques, bring excitement to the cafeteria and to the students so that they enjoy delicious, nutritious food and create those habits. It's where we're always, our eye is on the food, the quality, the flavor. Wonderful, so let's take it a step further. What does that mean to parents, students, and stakeholders? That means that as a parent, I know that when I send my children into a school, they're going to be provided a delicious meal, they're going to be ready to learn, they're going to be learning about nutrition and food. It's an extension of the classroom and that they're going to consume it. It's not nutrition until they eat it and they're going to trust us. You're gonna have that loyalty because you know that we're not gonna put anything on that serving line that is not at the peak of quality, flavor, freshness, it's delicious, and your students and children will trust that, and they're gonna try it. To kind of tag along to that too, I mean, working, whether or not you're in school nutrition or working in restaurants or catering, we're in the hospitality business, is being hospitable, anticipating needs. So you have to know that your, your kids, I have three kids in public schools, they eat every day in the lunchroom, and I know that their, their needs are being met, and they're being met by a staff that is excited to see them. They, they love their cafeteria staff. They always come home talking about Mr. Cole and that sort of thing. So having that front-facing relationship with my kids is important to me as well. So Mike, can you tell us a little bit about how something as simple as presentation or switching a meal item's name 
or description impacts participation and overall culinary culture? The name has to be enticing. If you say, okay, burger on bun, man, it's just kind of blah, right? So we're talking about being, building excitement. We want things that bring them in. Second, what they see on the line, how it looks. Is it bright? Is it fresh? Is it colorful? You know, is it appetizing looking? So if it's not that way, something the head goes off, okay, it's not gonna taste good. If it doesn't look good, automatically doesn't taste good. If it doesn't smell good, it's not gonna taste good. So you gotta think about how you're presenting it to draw that attention in. When they come through the service line, they wanna come back, they're excited about it. Their mouth is watering as they're going through the line. Okay, so we've heard the culinary specialist touch on quality school meals as a huge component of positive culinary culture, but that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. John, what does it mean to you? To me, a quality school meal, it, several different layers to it. Of course, we have to follow the regulations, needs to be nutritious, but you can't just say, I'm just going to follow the regulations and that is my quality meal. We have to exceed that. And by doing that, we want to make sure that the meal that you're serving on a plate is balanced. It goes together. Michael uses the example of serving spaghetti with collard greens, right? That spaghetti's delicious. It's great. Collard greens, I love them, but I don't necessarily want those on the same plate at the same time. So it needs to be balanced. It needs to make sure it goes well together. Include some fresh fruits and vegetables. Try to use some scratch cooking. We know that it's not easy to do 100% scratch cooking in schools, but there are small little things that can be added to a tray to help entice that. Make sure that things are served at the proper temperature, not just by the food safety side, but when it's served to the student on the tray, the hot food needs to be hot. And then like Rachel mentioned earlier, ultimate goal is to make sure it tastes great. It's delicious and the students are happy. Holly, what about you from a procurement standpoint? So a quality school meal contains the best ingredients that have been sourced to create a meal that contains all five food groups, supports our communities, and ensures student satisfaction and student success. We get a lot of questions about how schools get their food and where it comes from. Can you tell us about that process? In Georgia, our local school nutrition programs source their own food, plan their own menus, and do a lot of homework and research to make sure they're getting the highest quality ingredients to create those quality meals that we've been talking about. So that's a lot of responsibility, and there are regulations in place to make sure that they are able to source the right products for our students, and to make sure that our, because of that, our programs maintain integrity, and our food is some of the safest, highest quality food that you will find anywhere around. Wonderful to hear. So how much purchasing power do local school nutrition programs have? Our school nutrition programs, if you think about it, they are probably the largest restaurant in your community. They consistently serve the most amount of meals per day. So that purchasing power is certainly there. So how do local school nutrition programs impact the Georgia economy? Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. You've already heard a little bit about how we have districts that are committed to sourcing local foods. We've got a local food for school pilot going on in Georgia this year. Um, they are tremendously impacting the Georgia economy. They are sourcing Georgia and local and regionally grown foods in all five food groups. A lot of times we just think about fruits and veggies because we grow a lot of those in Georgia. But believe it or not, we're sourcing locally grown foods in all five food groups on our tray and really impacting our local communities, highlighting local farmers, sourcing from different types of distributors and farmers directly, um, and have a tremendous impact on Georgia's economy. 
All right, so let's expand a little more. So is it safe to say that districts contribute to the establishment and building of their district culinary culture with exceptional procurement practices? Absolutely. Our districts are intentional about what they're buying. You know, they have to be because we have regulations that we follow, but they also are going above and beyond by connecting what they're purchasing to what's happening in the classroom. So they are making sure that what your students are learning in class is being displayed on their trays. They're connecting with the teachers to explain about where the food comes from, how far it travels to get to their plate. They're making connections to harvest of the month items and curriculum, food-based learning opportunities with the teachers in the classroom. If your students are not eating school lunch, then they are missing out on one of the most important parts of the school day. I know I'm a little biased, <laughs> but it's truly, we hear it from the top in our organization, from Superintendent Woods down. Um, school nutrition programs are part of the school day and all students should be participating to learn how to eat, support our communities, and be set up for success. Totally agree. So yesterday, our audience participated in several interactive learning sessions here at Director's Conference. And our panel was also there, basically running the show. So can you guys tell me what did you feel what did everybody get out of your sessions? Because we all did certainly different things. So we'll start with uh, Rachel. What about you, where you were? We talked about emergency meals and emergency feeding, and every district in the state of Georgia at some point experiences loss of electricity, water. If you're in a coastal district, it's hurricane season. You might need to serve emergency meals. When you plan for items that can be put together and served in an emergency and they're already cycling through your menu and being served to the students, the students enjoy them, the students recognize them, your staff has practiced them, and emergencies are stressful. And it's nice to have a plan for things that you know how to execute and that you're comfortable with. Dr. Steinberg, who is the ultimate food safety expert for the state of Georgia, simplifies something so intimidating and overwhelming, like serving it safely when you don't have water. Pre-planning was really one of the biggest objectives so that when you're faced with these, school nutrition has a huge job, important job, you're serving millions of kids across the state. An emergency on top of that, having that pre-planning is going to help it go smoothly, safely, and provide something that the students still really enjoy and want to eat. Chef Mike, what about you? So at the U Garden, we explore like flavors and how simple it is to make a, a very easy change to impart flavors, like we tried the four different cucumbers, and plain to a bright lemon zest to a kind of um, subtle but deep earthy tone with the sumac to the garlicky pickled cucumbers. And there's different things you can do with those. So if you have cucumbers on your salad bar, add some lemon zest to it. Now it's something different. So it's something very easily can be done to enhance and elevate your menus. And then we talked about you know, the same flavors and, and globally inspired type cuisines, but still using locally grown, locally sourced items in there. So we did the, the pesto using winter greens. The school gardens may not have enough 
to put on a salivar, but you can make a small batch of it, and that way you can still get it out to the students, and they can take pride and ownership in that. So it's part of that getting the buy-in from the students as part of that school meal, that they help grow that in their school garden, and you're taking that, now it's on their serving line as a, and then thinking about outside the box a little bit, not only is it taking like a pesto, which is like a, an Italian type of side, but we certified it. So we used collard greens, or we used turnips, or mustards, or whatever is available to you. But don't stop there, think outside that even more. What else could we do to that? What's similar to that? Hey, let's take the cheese out, we'll put some vinegar in there, we'll make it into a chimichurri. So now you're expanding your, your options and again, elevating that recipe and that menu, what you're giving your students, but you're still supporting the local and fresh seasonal ingredients. Okay, John, what about you? You're back at your own stomping grounds. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the, the field trip we went to yesterday was back at Wimberley's Roots, like I mentioned earlier in the nonprofit that I started, I don't know, six years ago or so. The purpose of ours was trying to show how to collaborate with local nonprofits, local farms, other organizations in your community to help increase uh, farm to school participation. But I think the biggest takeaway that we could take from ours was one of the biggest untapped resources that I think is with teachers and the schools themselves. Being able to collaborate with, whether they're ag teachers or not, we had actually had a teacher attend ours yesterday from a local school. She's not an ag teacher, she's a gifted scope teacher, but she uses her garden at the school throughout her curriculum and she is she does a lot with students doing taste testing and she actually facilitated a salad dressing tasting challenge and yesterday with our group what i think you can do with that is you can use what they're doing in the classroom and it's such a simple activity making salad dressings and the winner of that challenge could then be converted into a k-12 recipe and then all of a sudden you're serving a student's recipe on the line, and all that's gonna do is just drive participation because students are gonna to want to try their own and they're gonna encourage their friends to try their salad dressing. And so now all of a sudden, maybe the most popular item that you have on the line that day is a salad, which is really cool to me. Thank you all so much for sharing with us today. This has been a very exciting exchange. We learned so much about establishing a K-12 culinary culture and also the benefits of it, making connections and establishing partnerships, and also procuring quality foods. We also learned about being innovative. It doesn't take a whole lot to be innovative. Just think a little bit outside the box. So we thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you, John. Want to learn more about school meals in Georgia? Here are four ways to stay in the know. Learn what's on the menu at your student's school. Follow your local school nutrition team on their social media accounts. Go eat a meal with your student in their school cafeteria. And connect with us, Godot School Nutrition, to know what's going on statewide. You've got more questions, and we're here to answer them. Listen each month for a new episode of FuelCast, Fact or Fiction. Connect with us via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn with the hashtag FuelingGA. You can also email us at FuelingGA at Godot.org. Until next time, the Georgia School Nutrition Division is fueling Georgia's future with excellence. One school meal at a time.